Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, and I am very excited today to have on my show today, Rita Robbins. She is the founder and uh, president of a great organization called Affiliated Advisors. She's been doing this a long time. I'm really excited to have her here. The energy is going to be awesome. And we're going to do our best to keep this short because we can certainly go off in so many tangents talking about the industry. We've done that in the past when we talk. So Rita, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. And thank you so much for having me, Frank. Listen, I uh, one of the things that I try to do, especially if, if you're a new listener to the audience, I'm always trying to bring people on that can really add value to our listeners and insight into what's happening within the industry. And so I think, you know, we're going to get into your background, which I think is really interesting, uh, especially uh, that you sort of, you've been in the business a long time, which you'll get into, but as a, as a, a female professional, having the success that you've had over the number of years as a former wholesaler and, and now running one of the best organizations that I know of sort of across the across the industry of any of any super large independent firm, you know, you've I, I think you bring a unique skill set and and uh, opinion and uh, leadership that I would like you to share with everybody. So why don't we start with your background? Sure. Well, thank you so much for those kind words. You know, I have been in the industry a long time, actually a very long time. The first firm I worked for was EF Hutton and not, you know, I'm sure that many people listening have no idea who that firm is. Uh, so I've been in the business a long time. Is that a problem for me if I know who they are too? And I used to work for Smith Barney, so it's <laughs> okay. Those are the good old days. Come on, EF Hutton the was good a great old firm. Days. It was a great firm. So I uh, have always had a passion for this business. In an unusual way, I didn't follow kind of a typical, if there is, trajectory uh, for a lot of people in our business. I never was a financial advisor. I worked in back offices at wirehouses, became an operations manager, and then got into the marketing side of things, which I really love and truly feel like that was my calling. And so for 10 years, I was a wholesaler uh, with Lord Abbott. I was one of five women wholesalers in the entire country. And then I uh, had a baby. She's now 29. And uh, I didn't feel like traveling anymore. And I had just spent 10 years living in advisors' offices, many advisors every day, week after week. And I begin to really understand what sets successful advisors apart how they met the challenges, what they did with their time, how they interacted with clients, what skill sets they had. And so that was really the only capital I had was this knowledge of having lived in advisors' offices for 10 years. And I started uh, an OSJ in 1994. Uh, So not only one of the first OSJs, but I believe that I was the first woman to start an OSJ. And uh, I'm really very fortunate and blessed, and uh, we have been going strong since 1994, and it's been 
richly rewarding. That's great. So have you always been with uh, with Royal? Because so for those of you that know, so so she runs an OSJ called Affiliated Advisors, which is on the uh, Royal Alliance platform, which is part of Advisor Group. So have you always been on that platform? No, actually, I was with a uh, one other firm previously. We joined Royal Alliance in uh, 2004. So we've been there for quite a long time and continue to believe that not only are they investing heavily in technology to support advisors' success, uh, but we love the sense of community, the access to senior leadership, their innovative approach to providing service and support for advisors. So that's our home. That's where we've been for a long time and will continue to be. Love it. So, you know, and you've had some success there. We've had some success with you. Tell the listeners a little bit about your OSJ, so affiliated advisors, right? What does it look like? And give us some insight into how did you grow it over the years, right? I understand how you're growing it today, right? Because, you know, I know that I tell my folks, hey, put an advisor on the phone with Rita, and the the energy, the passion uh, for the business, and candidly for the for the financial advisor specific business and servicing them is is uh, evident. So, how did you grow it? Not how did you started it, but how did you grow it to what it is today? Because then the follow up question is going to be like, how do you see it? Where do you see your firm in the future? And you know, sort of layer that with what's happening within the industry, right? And why why you feel so strongly about affiliated moving forward. Great. Well, I'd be happy to. So I believe that the success of affiliated advisors is not just about me. I think I've always been able to really fortunately to surround myself with really excellent people. Um, And in fact, it's really, it's more important than ever, I believe, that when you have somebody in uh, supporting you, you have a team member, you have an admin that allows you to focus on what you do best, it, that's a win-win situation. So it's always been really important for me and now my with my partners, Tom Ripper and Trisha Qualley, we want to be good employers. I mean, that is absolutely essential to our running the business. And it's especially essential now because I'll talk a little bit about our growth, but just to start with, most of our uh, employees are remote. We don't hire, you can't hire talent and drive and ambition sorted by a zip code. So we've been remote since before the pandemic. In fact, the only people who aren't remote is myself here in New York City and an executive assistant who's in the other office that you can't say. So uh, we have really made it our mission to kind of extend the type of support, camaraderie, engagement, concern that we have with our advisors to our team as well. Because our team is really what makes or breaks an advisor's success, in our opinion. And we're not saying advisors can't be successful elsewhere. Of course they can. But I'm just saying that our mission is to help advisors build the practices of their dreams. And that's really what we're all devoted to and dedicated to. And I'm not sure if that answers all of your questions. But I, I will tell you that we continue to see and believe that this that there can be a gap between what these very, now it's obviously very large, 
broker dealers that work exclusively with independent financial advisors. You know, there's been a huge amount of consolidation in the industry. I think the industry has just gotten to the point where if you're small, you won't be around for very long. And I think it's due to a host of factors that we're all familiar with, the cost of technology, compliance, the cost of hiring great people, providing benefits. There's just a massive amount of cost and a very quickly evolving and rapidly changing industry. So we believe that this OSJ structure uh, that we provide is absolutely like the perfect combination of being supported and being free. So you have a lot of freedom, you have a lot of independence, which obviously everybody really likes, but you also have a great deal of support. And by that, I'll you know give you some examples. Our director of compliance, uh, Cindy Pollock, has over 30 years of experience. And compliance is always sort of a, you know, it can be really tricky and uh, in some ways bothersome aspect to what we do. And so having Cindy, for instance, as the intermediary between the advisors and our uh, home office compliance team is really helpful. And so we see the OSJ roles as being able to support to support the advisors with expertise in ways that honestly the broker dealers just can't you know they will not have the kind of personnel that we have with experience and dedication and in that staff ratio so we support right now about 90 advisors and we have uh there's a team of 10 of us and we each have our own area of expertise that we really focus in my partner, Trisha Qualley, focuses primarily on practice management. She helps develop our team and client marketing. Tom Ripberger focuses on succession and continuity, business planning strategies, uh, mergers, acquisitions. So we all have a really important role to play in supporting the advisors. And I think going forward, I know there's a great movement towards independent RIAs, and it's been very kind of interesting as I watch this evolution of people who, uh, advisors who think they're going to be unencumbered by the constraints of FINRA, only to find out that running a business, especially an RIA, is so much more work than they ever expected and much more expensive with a lot more responsibility. So And risk. And risk, you know, obviously, obviously risk. So we like to think like we're bringing the best of everything together in one place. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, so how do you, how do you really, um, not add value, but you know, like Trisha, who's awesome by the way, um, and she does uh, sort of the the business planning and all that stuff for the advisors, you know. So you have these, you have the specialists that advisors can tap into. And then in addition to that, I would assume that you have added support from Royal, right? In areas where you want to leverage their size and scale, but bring it down to a more high touch. And I know Tom from his previous uh, firm. So again, you're like assembling a great team of, of industry experienced advisor, uh, industry experienced leaders, so how do you leverage your sort of the the, the scale of the firm of Ro- of Royal Alliance slash advisor group, right? You can define there's different scales there, right? And benefit them without without them getting sort of lost in the 
mega firm Rolodex and a 1-800, you know, leave a message kind of thing. Right. I'm not saying that Royal does that. I'm just saying that, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a, that could be a typical experience, not with our OSJ or right. with Royal, but, but that's a great question. And, you know, what, when I was talking before about feeling like we are in this perfect spot, I mean, we do take a great deal of advantage and, you know, the 2,500 employees that advisor group has, and because of their scale and because of their size, they actually bring things to the table that not only do we utilize and need, but have really translated into really enhanced services for advisors. And I'll give you a couple of really realistic, you know, recent ways that we've utilized them. So our team has grown. We've doubled in size in about two years. And because, uh, you know, with growth comes certain challenges we really wanted, you know, this commitment to being a great employer. We really needed help in, in the human capital area. You know, none of us, neither Tom nor Trish or I, you know, had, had really had that kind of responsibility before. I mean, Tom had always managed a lot of people and Trish has always been managing teams. But, you know, we had questions about everything from compensation and structure and integration and how to keep people engaged. And, you know, Advisor Group has a consulting arm, and one of the areas that they consult with us in is human capital. And I can't tell you how much we learned and how valuable it's going to be, not only for us, but if our advisors are having those issues, they get to use that as well. Another way that we really utilize their resources and, uh, you know, build on the support that we give them is, you know, they have a great technology team who will go out and help you uh, train you. They will do uh, an evaluation. Like, what are you missing? Like, what in your tech stack could be better or you could be utilizing differently? So these kind of really hands-on resources where the scale and the size and the scope of really the talent at advisor group, we wouldn't have access to any other way and neither would our advisors. And I think that and incredibly effective coaching programs that they run, just for instance, a few of the ways that we really do utilize their scale and their resources and their people. That's really good. Yeah, I think that um, you know, as you grow an organization, something that I keep hearing from you in terms of leadership and you, you sort of know what you're good at and know what you're not good at, which is, which is a big deal. Cause you know, as you grow, we were just having this conversation the other day, like as you grow to another level, there are things that are going to come up that you, maybe you haven't experienced at the, at the lower level, the smaller level. And so you have to be able to be wise enough and not let your ego get in the way of saying, I don't, I've never been in this position before. I don't know, you know, I'm struggling with this area. And so I, look, I think that's always been the strength of a of a great OSJ for an advisor because there's that there's that other level of support that you know you sort of the, the, you get to know them and maybe you can you over time you get to really understand how they're thinking and so they're calling you up and before you they even ask a question you probably know what's going on in their head, right? Um, right. Or, a, or how we might be able to um, right. help them. So speaking of help, right. So that's a sort of great pivot. You know, you've been in around a long time. We talked about, I think our philosophies on, you know, advisors going and becoming an RIA, you know, becoming, opening up an RIA, not becoming an RIA, but becoming an IA of an RIA. 
and the pitfalls of that. Uh, I think we agree there. You know, if you're an advisor today, right, and, and there's this huge movement from W two advisors to 1099. So I want I want you to talk about that in a second. Um, actually, maybe talk about that now. Like, what are you seeing in terms of that movement? Are you are you seeing that they're still coming the way you know coming over from the W two two model? Are you getting any pressure from them to roll out a W two model? When I say them, I mean advisors that talk to you and they're like, Rita, you're awesome, right? But I just like I just don't want to worry about the lights and worry about the rent and worry about the this and that and where whether the paper towels are there or you know it's a lot and um this movement that you're speaking about really started quite a while ago uh so about 12 years ago uh i started a kind of separate but obviously adjacent and aligned company called uh freedom capital management in homedale new jersey and the reason I started it was evident to me even then that advisors were really starting to question whether what they were giving up in terms of owning their clients, uh, flexibility in terms of what they're offering their clients as solutions, was this trade-off with what they were getting paid out on their production worthwhile? So this actually, you know, the genesis of this goes back you know, quite a way as you and I both know. And I can tell you that I think that one of the things that has really accelerated the pace of this, of advisors saying like, really, what am I paying for, right? What am I getting in exchange for having a maybe a brand name on the front door and giving up a, a large, very large, maybe the majority of my compensation or revenue that I generate has been the pandemic. Because advisors realized uh, very quickly, we all did, right, uh, that we could be just as effective with our clients on a Zoom from our dining room table as we could be in a really expensive office that took a lot to maintain. So I think advisors want to continue to be able to focus more on their clients than on, as you say, infrastructure, because uh, who really wants to be dealing with all of that? So I think sometimes a, a great solution for people coming out of, uh, you know, a W-2 situation and wants the freedom is to not really so worry so much about like, you know, how is this whole thing going to work? There's a lot of solutions. I know your firm offers a lot of solutions for these advisors and you do your best to make sure that there's a fit as well as a financial well-being in the deal as well. So I think this trend is actually going to accelerate. I think the, uh, the wirehouses, for instance, have gotten really smart in their approach of dealing with them, and that is to put everyone in teams. So it becomes much more difficult to lift out a whole team or to keep everything kind of on the down low as you're doing that. But I do think that this trend is not going to go away. It will, if anything, accelerate with the freedom of that the pandemic provided and figuring out we could work from anywhere and cut out our commute. Yeah. How are you handling um, the, the other trend in terms of succession planning or lack thereof, right? Many advisors don't have a succession plan or a contingent plan at affiliated. How are you handling that uh, for your advisors that are there, right? And potential new advisors that are considering joining you, like 
why should they have you and your team, someone at your firm as their succession plan? Like it's an industry trend. Someone's going to have to deal with it at some point. How are you all handling it? Right. Well, we will have to deal with it sooner rather than later. I'm I'm 65 years old. I'm probably about the same age as the average advisor. So we have this aging advisor population. I started to think about my succession planning several years ago and have been so fortunate and being able to bring in, you know, two younger generations. So there's a generation between myself and Tom, and then a generation between Tom and Tricia. So I think, you know, that's really an ideal solution, but it doesn't always work that way. And especially for advisors. So the first thing that you mentioned, which is, you know, I'd like to start with is continuity plan. And I am absolutely amazed, Frank, how often we'll work with a new advisor and we'll ask them if they have a continuity plan and they don't. Now, why would you, as a financial advisor, who really has to take a long, hard, studied look at how your client can tolerate risk and you not take care of your own risk. So we first thing we try to do is explain the importance of a continuity agreement. No one plans to have a heart attack. Nobody says next Tuesday morning, I'm going to get into a horrible car crash you know, on the West Side Highway and be disabled. Nobody thinks that. But unfortunately, advisors, just like their clients, they have to plan for it. So we uh, try to really impress advisors uh, on the importance of this, and we try to make it really easy. And we will always be that backup continuity plan for any advisor in our group. Um, And the reason it's absolutely essential that they have a continuity plan in place is, you know, there are regulations where we might not be able to, I mean, we're legally not allowed, the broker-dealer, to pay somebody's spouse, for instance, if there's not a continuity plan on file. So that's, you know, something that is I urge everyone who's listening to make sure they have a continuity plan in place. By the way, if I can interrupt right there, you also need to, um, I would, if I were you, I would be talking to your clients about it because they're thinking about it. Like your clients are thinking, I talked to so many advisors that, that they like, yeah, my clients are starting to ask me like, what happens if I get hit by the proverbial bus? Like you need to have something in place and don't keep it a secret from your clients because you might not be getting all the money from a client because you didn't communicate that you're 65 years old and you have a 42 year old coming in as the successor and and they've withheld assets because they're concerned. So they're spreading their risk. You know, I, I see that as a big mistake. It, it is a big mistake. And to your point, um, it's very rare that clients verbalize that, but it's not very rare that they're thinking it. Oh, no, yeah. So uh, so one of the other ways that we facilitate this, and we, we've done this quite a bit, you know, not only do we have a you know, great advisor base at affiliated advisors, so oftentimes the buyer for practice can be an advisor that they know from the community of affiliated advisors. But, you know, there's... Uh, you know, thousands and thousands of advisors between Royal Alliance and Advisor Group. I think Advisor Group is over 10,000 advisors now. And uh, they actually have a very robust 
mergers and acquisitions department that helps a lot. So that's another resource that we lean on quite frequently. So not only do we have the ability to really put some energy, effort, and time into finding that perfect successor, but we can also, with the help of uh, advisor group, really minimize the time and the paperwork and the operational aspects of transitioning a book, selling a book to your future successor. Awesome. Let's shift gears for a second. We got to, I just want to make sure we're good on time because I wanted to really talk about pick your brain on, um, you know, if you're an advisor today, whether you're thinking about making a move or not thinking about making a move, what are the two or three things that advisors should be thinking about as a practitioner servicing clients, you know, sort of with the markets that we're in or going to be in, maybe you, you never know. Like we, we've been around a long time, uh, both of us. And so we've seen things, right. And you just, you're around. There's a lot of advisors that candidly have not been through anything, right. I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, yeah, you know, when we go into a, a, a really a market, a, you know, down, a down market cycle, I was saying, they're like, well, we were just in one. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm like, what no, happened no, no, in 2022 no. is not what I'm talking about. That was like a little, like a little bit, like, that was like taking your foot off the gas a little bit. I said, that's not what I'm talking about. I said, most, there's a lot of advisors that have never really been through anything. So what are you, what, what are you telling your team, your advisors, you get on a call with all your pokes and you're saying, Hey, everybody, these are the two or three things you need to be focusing on right now. Yes. Well, first of all, it, Tom and I and Trisha were just talking about this this morning that, you know, 2002 was a really horrible down market and then the you know global financial crisis in 2008 there there really there are advisors out there that have not been through this kind of cycle before and i can tell you even if you have it can be really a very exhausting and worrisome place to be especially if you find yourself talking to your clients in an inauthentic way where almost every conversation sounds the same because she's just gotten into this pattern. So the first thing that I would say is more than ever, truly be authentic. And that means like you really have to listen. You really have to hear. And you really have to be authentically you in communicating and responding to your clients because they really need it. The other thing that I see happen frequently, and it's starts off maybe a little bit insidiously and grows is you find reasons not to have client facing activities. You're doing paperwork of some sort. You're uh, spending too much time while looking at your emails. Your emails are dictating your actions instead of you're using your time in client facing ways. And I recently read a statistic that the average doctor spends less than 29% of his time face-to-face -face with patients. And I thought, oh my gosh, if doctors are that way and they're usually in a very kind of structured environment, you know, what is the average advisor doing? So be really careful of your time. Don't hide behind tasks. Only check your emails like two or three times a day. There's nothing that important on them. And, and really increase the amount of time that you're spending with your clients. The other thing that I think is essential, and it's kind of a... Uh, maybe it's a silver lining and this awful cloud of layoffs is that if you're not letting your clients know that you can help with friends 
colleagues or family members who've been laid off, I think you're missing a huge opportunity. You know, unfortunately, part of the recession that we're in, and I am going to call it a recession, and this period of high inflation is that there's, you know, there's massive layoffs. We're seeing it already. And this is a time when people are at their most vulnerable and really need advisors help the most. So, you know, in gentle, kind ways, let your clients know that you're available to help. And uh, there, you know, will unfortunately be a really large market in rollover IRAs, I believe, in the next year or year and a half. Yeah, I think advisors make the mistake of saying to a client, um, you know, hey, you know, they ask for basically they ask referrals in the wrong way, right? They they say something like, you know, if you ever, you know, if if you ever have a friend who wants to talk, let me know, right? You have to be more specific. If you have anybody that you know they're in your circle that maybe just got laid off from their company, let me know and I'd be happy to give them a call and walk through what their options might or might not be. Like you have to be specific. If you know a, a friend that's been bop, 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 you because clients don't think like that. They just think, oh, yeah, I haven't talked to anybody about their finances in a while, so I don't have any referrals for you, right? But if you say who was recently laid off or went through a, you know, went through just recently went through a divorce or recently had a, you know, a parents pass away and are looking for help with their estate plan or like you have to give specific instances so clients can, the light bulb will go off. I promise you, like you're saying, like it will go off. Like, oh yeah. You know, Jill just, I think she just retired from her company. Like, so that's great, great advice. Yeah. And it's really true because our clients are not financial advisors, so they might not see these connections unless, as you said, you you pointed out and actually connect the dots for them. Yeah, let me just close. I want to just I want to just explain to people. You said something, and it's really one of the reasons why we we love doing business with you. Be authentic with your clients, like be authentic with them, listen to them, but be authentic with them. You know, it doesn't mean when you you know the market's you know, falling out of bed and you say to them, Oh my, I'm panicking too. Like, I don't know what to do. Right. <laughs> right. Um, don't say that. Uh, Cause you probably lose that client. Right. But don't give them the canned line. Like, Oh, this happens every cycle. And it's not about, you're not selling today and don't look at your statement. Like be authentic, hear them, you know, read. I, I understand how this is frustrating to you. We want to make sure that you're in the right position that's why we did X, Y, or Z. Reiterate the things if you were doing them the right way, which you should. Reiterate the planning that you went that went into what you're doing with that client, and bring them back to that. And candidly, in look, I I would say that I learned. I I I made this mistake when I went when it was 2000, 2001, two because I was I had just enough of a book to do some damage. Right, it was like a pamphlet at the time. Um, you know, because I didn't, I gave them the comp, the company line, stay invested and blah, blah, all that stuff. And honestly, sometimes you just need to take a client out of the market. If that's, if they're, if they're losing sleep and they just can't handle it anymore, um, you know, be, listen to them and just, you know, be authentic. Yeah, that's really true. And I think that if, you know, you're giving somebody sort of a rote, response, you're probably not really tapping into their 
emotions, which are unfortunately going to drive behavior that is exactly what a financial designer is, you know, at its at the best it's designed to do. It's to make sure that you do get market returns by staying in the market long-term and not being pushed and pulled by fear and greed. And, you know, this is, a, a you know, I'm not, not telling you anything shockingly new. You know, we've all seen those Vanguard studies of the difference in returns between people who invest in their mutual funds with an advisor versus doing it on their own. But I do think that, uh, you know, these this is really a challenging time. And as you said, the first time a lot of advisors are going through it and it's okay to really ask probing questions. So you understand what somebody really is anxious or scared or nervous about, and then really listen to the answers. Right. Cause they can be more nervous, not necessarily about the market going down, but they may be more nervous because they're aging parent and they're thinking about what that's going to mean to them to take care of their, their, their mother or father who, they're actually looking to put them into a nursing home or something that you may not know because you haven't been talking to them about that stuff. And so you have to get the root root cause. So, but the other component that I think, and I want to just finish it with, um, you know, sort of uh, letting, you know, having you talk about why really aside from all the great stuff we talked about, why an advisors should look to affiliate with you if they, no pun, I guess pun intended there. Um, um, you know, is the, your passion for the business is something that with my group resonates with my consultants when we're taught when we're thinking about advisors making a move and putting them in, in a place where we know they'll be in a good place, right? Well, we know they're going to be taken care of and your passion. Um, and you're just a very genuine person. Like for those of you that are watching us on video, like this is how this is this is Rita, <laughs> right? When, right? If I'm a if you know, if I'm an advisor and I've had clients talk with her this is it. Like, this is Rita. It's really refreshing. And an advisor, you're making a big decision to move firms. You want to know who you're, who you're partnering with. And to sort of being the, the way you're genuine is just, it's very refreshing for us. So, so with, with that said, if I'm an advisor and I'm thinking about making a move, right, aside from all the great stuff you talked about, what are the three or four things that an advisor should consider when looking at affiliated and becoming a partner with you? Well, I think there are some things that really set us apart. You've hit on a few of them. Out of a 10-person team, nine of us are women. And I think that while uh, female advisors are not our sole market, certainly we're really comfortable with that. And I think that we bring a certain kind of energy and compassion and, and caring. And I think it really is this marriage of great people with lots of industry experience on top of the resources, the scale and the scope of, you know, this big advisor group behind us. So I think it can be a, a perfect combination, but I do know that, uh, you know, the things that are most important to us when we speak with an advisor candidate uh, looking to join us, you know, is there going to be a fit? Are our values going to align? Are we going to enjoy working with each other? We really, really put a lot into what we do, just as our advisors do. So we're kind of picky about who we work with. And I would I would ask advisors who were thinking about making a change, not don't think about this just from a financial perspective. There is so much more that has to be a really good fit where you're going to really feel comfortable and really thrive. And because it is such a hugely important decision, 
you know, don't overlook those um, aspects of a relationship that are very hard to quantify, but we certainly feel when, when it's right, when you mesh with someone. Yeah. I, I always talk to advisors and they say, well, you know, there's, can I just fill out a questionnaire and then, you know, answer 45 questions about my practice and then you'll spit out a thing and says, here's the four firms you should talk to. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Um, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work it that really way. Doesn't. No, because so many of these firms and, and there's lots of good firms. Advisor Group is a great firm, Royal Alliance, you know, but a lot of the stuff that gets delivered is um, is commoditized now, right? Not in everything, right? But there's a lot of things today that are just commoditized. And the separators, what I have seen with advisors that really grow exponentially when moving firms is because they chose the right firm and economics was like fourth or fifth on the list in terms of their decision, right? Because you can get to a point where it's it's plus or minus a point or two. like it, That's like a rounding error, right? If you're at the wrong firm, it's going to be like a 10-point difference because you're going to lose money. Right. You'll be miserable and unhappy. And um, so I, I really agree with you. And I think that we really overlook that or it can be really overlooked as, as advisors do due diligence. You know, they sometimes have this tendency, as you say, to just spread the sheet, everything. And, you know, life is not about a spreadsheet. It's, no. it's about how you feel when you interact with people and whether you can trust them and whether they're going to be there you know, when times are bad, the same way advisors want to be there for their clients, they need that same kind of support. Well, we, uh, we love working with you. It's great to work with you for all those reasons. We trust that when we make an introduction that our clients are going to take care of. So we, we appreciate it. This was great. Uh, Thank we, you so much. This yeah. Is we so much keep fun. going and it's very passionate. Yeah. We get very passionate about these calls or <laughs> yeah, we're on the same page with a lot of that stuff. So it's, it's awesome. Totally. So for my listeners, um, you know, how do they get in touch with you if they're interested in like, man, I want some of that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, they can always call your firm. <laughs> That's true. You can call me at 856-316-4651. Right. And how do they reach or they you? Can, they can uh, call me uh, directly at 212-695-5558 or go to our website, affiliatedadvisors.com. Awesome. We love it. It's great. Uh, for our listeners, don't forget, you can watch us, as we mentioned, watch us on uh, on our YouTube channel, Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Don't forget to check out my Instagram page, which is franklarosa.elite. Um, I'll put some great stuff on there. Uh, it's not all financial service related, so, but we appreciate it for for everyone. Don't forget to go and like, like and subscribe, and really forward this 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 video if you have a friend that's interested in making a move and looking around that are not sure forward this to them because uh, this will give them some really good insight into what they should be looking for when they're looking at a new firm. If, if, un if they're unfortunate enough not to be working with us uh, on helping them make the move. So um, anyway, Rita, thank you very much. It was, it was great. I loved having, I was very excited about today. So I appreciate it. And I love your passion. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Frank. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.